today. So I'm going to ask our moms who are our designated prayers to make your way up onto our stage today. Um, Katie Campbell, where's Katie? Katie's coming over here. Katie's going to be leading a time of prayer for moms. Happy Mother's Day. How are you, moms? We are glad you're with us today. And we really do want to honor you. And we actually take great delight in all those wonderful things you do say to us. Not just the things that we make up that you don't say. Um, But we are glad you're here with us. And uh, today we want to honor you in a special way. And we we thank God for you. And so I'm going to ask if you are a mom and you are present in the house of the Lord today. If you will stand up for just a moment so we can say hey. Amen. Now, I'm going to ask you to please remain standing. I know some of you think, oh my gosh, I don't want to sit down, but I'm going to ask you to remain standing because we want to take a moment to pray for you. And the way that we're going to do that today is we're going to actually have some people who understand what it means to be a mom and the challenges you face and the help that you need from the Lord to come and pray over you today. So I'm going to ask our moms who are our designated prayers to make your way up onto our stage today. Um, Katie Campbell... Where's Katie? Katie's coming over here. Katie's going to be leading a time of prayer for moms of of, of little children, if you would, preschoolers. And uh, Julie, uh, Lindsay is coming. Julie's going to be leading a time of prayer for moms of some older children, teenagers, those kinds of things. And then Harriet Doctor is going to be leading us in a time of prayer for moms of moms and older children, adult children, and each of them also have another special assignment that they're going to lead us in prayer for. So ladies, if you would lead us to pray for our moms. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity, privilege, and honor of being a mommy. It's hard, exhausting, and filled with lots of boogers. But it's also very beautiful and joyful and a clear representation of your steadfast love and faithfulness. I pray for all of the mothers of infants, preschoolers, and elementary age children today. When they're worn out, empower them with supernatural energy to be fully present with their children. When they're anxious and on edge, surround them with your peace. And for all of the single mothers, I pray that you would give them a village a village full of dependable, consistent, and reliable friends who they can always count on to lend a helping hand. And let us, River Bluff, be that village for single moms in our church and in our community. Your word says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So help us to fear you. Help us to continually seek you and spend time in your word and to lead our children to do the same. Let us not lose our temper, but be patient and understanding. Give us strength to set boundaries and stand firm when it's needed and to let go when it's time. Guide our words and actions to point our children to you in all we say and do. Lord, I also pray for moms who are currently pregnant and may be considering abortion. I pray that you would work a miracle in their hearts. I ask that you would move to help them understand the preciousness of the life they're carrying and that abortion is not the answer. May your church surround these mothers with love, support, and encouragement. 
and may that point them to you. Heavenly Father, as we come, it's with thanksgiving in our hearts, Lord. Thank you, God, for another day, God. Thank you for your grace and mercy and love that you continue to show upon us, Lord. But most of all, Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who came, God, that we might live, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity to be a grandmother, God. And as I lift up grandmothers all over, God, those who might not take an active role, God, and those who are actually raising grandchildren today, God, I pray, God, that you equipped us, Lord, with your word. You equipped us, Lord, with the strength and ability to raise the kids, God, that they see something in us, Lord, that they want to serve, Lord. I pray, God, for those who are out there struggling, God, with raising grandkids, Lord. I pray you continue to strengthen them, Lord. Turn them in the right path, Lord, that the kids go in the right path, Lord. I pray, God, you continue to keep us, Lord, in this body of church and love, God, and to continue so we can go out to the community to lift up others, Holy Father. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. And for those, Lord, right now who have mothers who have gone on to the heavenly realm, Lord, I thank you, God, for the time that they were here with us, Lord, and in service, God. I thank you, Lord, and these blessings we ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Pray with me this morning, if you would. Lord, we come. We come having proclaimed in song just the truth that you were holy. Holy, holy, holy are you, God in three persons. We are so grateful for you, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for the way that you relate to us, the way that you love us, the way that, Jesus, you sacrifice for us, the way that you, Holy Spirit, live in us and guide us, and the way, Father, you have forgiven us. You pour out your grace on us, and we thank you. And we gather again today as your people to give thanks to you, to worship you, to bring our hearts to you. And some of us come today just confessing that our hearts are heavy. Some of us, our hearts are heavy because for the very first time, our moms will not be with us. We can't gather with them because we pray they're in your presence now, and, and our hearts are heavy. So we come with heavy hearts. Others come with heavy hearts because of uh, an illness they're facing or someone that, love, that they love is facing, or, or Lord, because uh, someone that we love is near death. Or someone that we love has just passed and grief is heavy and we're walking through that valley of the shadow. And so, God, I lift my brothers and sisters to you who are there right now. God, the others of us come with our hearts having been overwhelmed by this world and this week that we just came out of. And we need you. We need you to touch us at that point of hurt, that point of brokenness, that point of pain. Others of us come, God, because this week was actually for us maybe filled with joy. And so we bring our hearts to you that are joy-filled and our hearts to you that may not be quite as filled, looking to you, oh God, knowing that you are our source of life, you are our source of hope and our source of joy, and so we come. And we do ask this day especially, Lord, that 
you would bless the moms among us. God, they are such a blessing to us. We pray your blessing on them now. And Lord, I pray that as we open your word now, that you would, Lord, hide me behind the cross of Jesus, that he would be seen and glorified. That's my prayer now as we open your word today. It's in your name and your name alone we pray, dear Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Glad you're here with us today. You're looking mighty good. I know some of you are, are here. This happens every Mother's Day. Some of you may be here today because, uh, because mom said, I just want one thing. You know, I want you to come to church with me today. And so you're here. And uh, for that, I've, I, I'm going to ask the Lord to honor you for honoring your mom that way. And I, I pray that uh, the Holy Spirit will have something for you uh, today, uh, especially and that you would be encouraged. We are um, we're in a series of messages that we have we began right after Easter that we're calling First Encounters, and these are uh, our look into the gospel narratives at uh, first encounters that people had with the resurrected Jesus. And we looked uh, a couple weeks ago at uh, the first encounter that Mary Magdalene had with Jesus in John 20. Uh, And then last week, we looked further into John chapter 20 at the first encounter that a group of his disciples had. There were 10 of the the 12 that were gathered locked in a room that they had locked themselves into, and uh, Jesus appeared to them. It was their their first encounter with him in the resurrection. Next week, uh, Pastor Kurt will be here, and he'll be opening God's Word out of Luke chapter 24 and help us kind of see the first encounter that two disciples that weren't what I would call well-known, um, two disciples had as they were, had left Jerusalem after the events of the weekend and were heading kind of back home, and they encountered Jesus on a, on a road uh, back home. And then the week after that, uh, Pastor Dean will be opening God's Word to us back out of John chapter 20 uh, as we'll look at the, the, the encounter that Thomas had, the disciple Thomas had, and how Jesus uh, transformed his his doubt. But today, on Mother's Day, I want us to continue in our series, and I want us to look today uh, out of the Gospel of Matthew um, at what the Bible describes as some mothers and other women as they had their first encounter with the risen Jesus. And they were honored by the Lord to have been some of the very first witnesses of his resurrection, even before um, those, those ten disciples did, even before other disciples did. These mothers and, and other women, were, they were also some of Jesus' earliest followers and some of his most devoted followers. They were central in his ministry, uh, tra- his traveling ministry, his teaching, preaching, healing ministry. Uh, their devotion actually resulted, I believe, in their becoming some of the first witnesses of his resurrection and, and some of those who were first sent by, by Jesus uh, out with the good news uh, that there is life after, after death, that we have hope in the resurrection. Now, today we live in an era when probably the last 50 years or so, there's been a rise in what some have termed uh, radical feminism. And it, it has tried to undermine, dismantle, if you would, um, the biblical views of male and, and female. 
views that teach that there is actually a difference between males and females. And I'm thinking, okay, you don't have to be a rocket scientist, but uh, apparently some in our world do uh, have to be rocket scientists to figure that out. But it's, it's a dominant view in our culture today that there are no differences between males and females. And uh, added to that, we have now kind of moved into this thing called a, a transgender war, where not only are these no differences between men and women, they don't exist, but they're pushing for all kinds of other things. And, and this idea that, that maleness and femaleness is, is kind of a fluid thing, and you can kind of change it as you want to. In fact, there are all kinds of genders, no longer just two. Um, and that's kind of the pervasive mindset in our, in our culture. And it's not just um, this idea that these, you know, these liberals are attacking these traditional views. They're even turning on one another. I don't know if you saw recently. Do you know um, who J.K. Rowling is? She, she's the writer of uh, the whole series, the Harry Potter series. And uh, she... Uh, has been known for years as an active feminist, but recently she took issue with the, the new coming definition of womanhood. And she basically took a biological stand that said, you're a woman because of your biology. And interestingly, um, one of the stars of the movie series, Daniel Radcliffe, who you know, played Harry Potter, he attacked her. And he basically went after her insisting that transgender women are real women. And there was this kind of dispute that, that was raised. So there's all kinds of stuff out there, this cultural revolution. Now, in, in Jesus' day, he was known to some as kind of a, a controversial, maybe even revolutionary uh, figure of his day. He touched the untouchables. He befriended sinners. Um, he equally went to dinner or lunch with, you know, anyone, and uh, against all uh, kind of rules of the day, he had women as his disciples. He was thought of as a rabbi, a traveling rabbi, and he had women that traveled with him that were part of his, his group. Now, friends, just let me speak to this for a minute. The reason that Jesus may have been radical was not because he was trying to, you know, deal with the, the kind of the status quo. Jesus ignored all that. He, he, traded, he treated all, everyone, all of us, equally as sinners uh, because we all are. And he treated everyone, male, female, Jew, Gentile, old, young. He treated everybody the same. Jesus loves all kinds of people. And the Bible tells us that he came to seek and save uh, us all, all of the lost. And that's what we were before him. And, but what looks like in Jesus' ministry in that day is kind of a radical-natured ministry, um, you need to understand he didn't have a political agenda. He didn't have some political agenda. His, his, his ministry was radical because of the way he loved. That's, that's what was so radical about Jesus' ministry was, was his love. He was never driven by an issue. He was always just driven by the gospel. Jesus didn't have like so many groups in our day. He didn't have some single target group that he hoped to serve at the expense of everybody else. You know, the way both liberal groups and conservative groups in our culture do today. He, he was dealing with the universal problem that we all have that needed grace, the grace of God to step into it, to enter it. And that was our problem 
with sin. And so that would cause Jesus to step across uh, social norms. He would step into racial division and prejudice. He'd break through those, those kinds of barriers. Uh, and in Jesus' day, one of those barriers was uh, how he restored dignity to women. And they became some of his most devoted disciples. And they, they ministered to Jesus. And they, they served not only him, but the other disciples. And their devotion to Jesus was not an ordinary devotion. It was a very radical devotion. And I believe for that devotion, Jesus rewarded them, if you would, with extraordinary honor. And I want us to look at that today. And we're going to start in the Gospel of Matthew. But we're going to look at some of the other Gospel writers uh, as they speak in, into this. We're going to be in the last two chapters of the Gospel of Matthew. So if you want to get your Bibles out, open, turned on. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 28. Find it. That's the last chapter. And then back up just a few verses. We're going to start reading in verse 55 of Matthew chapter 27. And then jump over to Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 27 verse 55. We read. There were also many women there. Now, we're, just so you know, we're back at the cross, okay? This is, this is at Jesus' crucifixion. This is kind of the end of the crucifixion narrative uh, in, in Matthew. And it says, there were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening, those, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate, asked for the body of Jesus, then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud, laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. Jump over to chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing was white as snow, and for fear of him the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. Then you will see him. See, as I have told you, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came and they took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. This is the word of, of the Lord. Now, I hope you notice something that... Uh, it was while they were being obedient to the word of God, these, these women, as they were being obedient to the word of God that had been delivered to them through the angel, it was in that, that moment of obedience and going that they encountered Jesus. 
The Bible tells us that the angel told them to go quickly, and it tells us that they departed that meeting with the angel quickly, and it was in that movement of obedience that they had this encounter with the risen Jesus. And the Bible tells us that they worshiped him. And it's interesting how Jesus greeted them. The, the word that he used was, was greetings. And it wasn't just, yeah, greetings. It was greetings. That word there that's translated greetings from the original Greek language also is regularly translated rejoice. So this wasn't just like a down-in-the-mouth greeting kind of thing. It wasn't your normal. This was a greeting that was filled with joy and, and excitement. And in response to that great joyous greeting, they fell down and they worshipped Jesus. Now, we don't know how long that lasted. You know, it, it, it could have been three seconds. could have been three minutes. could have been three hours. It, the Bible doesn't tell us. It just said they, they, they fell down and they worshipped him. They, they, they held on to his feet and they worshipped their, their, their risen Lord. But at some point, I, I don't know how long, Jesus, I imagine, picked them up and reminded them of something. Where were they supposed to be going? To tell the disciples. And they got a little distracted. Have you ever been distracted? Have you ever been like heading to do something? You walk into a room and you forget why you're there and you have to back up, you know? Or you need somebody to remind you of something that you were going to... If, if I ever tell you that I'm going to do something for you and I haven't done it fairly soon, it's okay to remind me. Just call me. Say, Joe, hey, that thing. Remind me. I won't, I, I won't be upset or anything like that. I, I, I need reminding. These women needed reminding. They had got distracted. Now, their reason is usually better than me. Mine is usually absent-mindedness. But they needed to be, they needed to be reminded of their mission that God had given them through the angels. So Jesus raised them up and said, oh yeah, by the way, remember, go tell the disciples. And so the Bible tells us that, that they went. Friends, it's, it's so much that these women, these moms, follow Jesus with full devotion. And they have something, I believe, to teach us today. One of the first things that I see that these women uh, taught us from the way they followed Jesus in, in his resurrection is this. The mothers and women of the resurrection teach us about rewards from the Lord. I think they teach us about rewards from the Lord. They have something to teach us here about fulfilling the purposes and, and the ways of God. Not only doing what is right, but doing it from a, a right heart. These, these women gave so much to follow Jesus. And they knew that Jesus had promised that he would reward that. Uh, if you look at Matthew chapter 10, excuse me, Mark chapter 10, verse 29, uh, they were present when Jesus, I believe, told uh, this. He said, you can be sure that anyone who gives up home or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or land for me and for the good news will be rewarded. In this world, they will be given a hundred times as many. And in the world to come, they will have eternal life. See, there's a great truth for those who follow Jesus with full devotion. It, it doesn't, Jesus didn't say it'd be easy. It wasn't easy for these women in that day. It was, it was difficult. But Jesus tells them about the outcome of full devotion to him. It will, that devotion will be rewarded in this life and in, in the life to come. In fact, the Bible tells us that it is impossible 
can't be done. You cannot please God unless you believe he exists and believe that he rewards. Hebrews 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 6 tells us that. You have to believe that he exists and that he is a God who wants to reward those who trust him. That's part of the, what faith looks like. He does that. And these moms, these women in Jesus' life, they believed, they, they trusted Jesus in powerful ways. And they didn't, it wasn't just at the end of his ministry. It, it wasn't just something that, you know, we see at the cross or in, in the resurrection. But they actually did it very early in his ministry. We, we see this in, in his teaching, traveling, preaching, healing ministry. Luke chapter 8 records uh, something about this. When Jesus was about to begin kind of his regional ministry, he was going to travel from town to town. Look at Luke 8 verse 1. It says, soon after Jesus began a tour of nearby towns and villages. Here's what he was doing. He was preaching. He was announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him. Now notice, along with some women he had healed and from whom he had cast out evil spirits. So there's this group of women that had these, this, these healings. Um, and it goes on, he says, Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. And then there was Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's business manager. And then there was Susanna and many others who were contributing their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Now, so often we have this image I think of of Jesus and these 12 men just kind of traveling around the countryside and you know common sense would tell you that 12 men traveling around the countryside would get in trouble if there weren't some women there to help you know they'd never accomplished the mission and so they they were there they, they, they were present and they were essential in the ministry of Jesus throughout his earthly ministry. These mothers, these women of the resurrection, they had been there the, the, the whole time serving Jesus and serving those that he had appointed, those 12, serving sacrificially, uh, serving behind the scenes in so many ways. If you, have, if you haven't watched it, I would encourage you to watch it, um, but if you have watched the, the live stream uh, series of, about Jesus' life called The Chosen, they do one of the best jobs, I think, that I've ever seen of communicating this part of the gospel narratives of the, the role that these women played in an ongoing way in Jesus' in Jesus's ministry. They had a, a prominent place. And we see there Jesus teaching them. And, you know, and, and Jesus, Jesus built into them. Jesus saw dignity where so much of the world, uh, other teachers in that day and philosophers basically said it was a waste of time to teach women anything, but not Jesus. Jesus poured into them and they were, they were devoted to him. Now, again, I, I want to be kind of careful here before you start thinking that Jesus was driven by some kind uh, of issue, that he was a you know, he was a woman's rights activist, uh, you know, an activist for the poor or the oppressed or, or the marginalized. And Jesus, Jesus was an activist of love. And love naturally lifts out those things in those places. Jesus didn't get involved in the cultural clashes. He focused on bringing the, uni the, the gospel into the universal problem uh, of sin, 
See, Jesus did minister to the outcasts. He did minister to the marginalized, but he, he wasn't doing that with some kind of ulterior motive to overthrow those in, in power, to destabilize the status quo and start a revolution. That was not what Jesus came to do. He didn't get involved in that because he knew it would keep him from his primary ministry of, of serving everyone. Because all of us were lost and apart from God, whether we were, you know, religious sinners or whether we were cultural sinners. And I just feel kind of the need to stress this, that because we as Jesus' disciples in this day could so easily turn away from the focus, our focus being on the gospel as we seek to pursue addressing these other issues. We can't be captured by those issues. The answer for all of those issues is Jesus it's the good news of the kingdom of God found only in, in Jesus. And so we have to stay focused on that. As much as the unbelieving world kind of blunders into these causes, they often do more harm than good. Jesus, he wasn't this primarily a, a justice warrior, but he lived and acted justly in every way. And he calls his followers to do the same thing. But first and foremost, Jesus was a loving, he was a loving savior. And he proclaimed the good news that the kingdom of God is available to anyone, all sinners, through, through him. But now I want us to look a little further at the, the, the life of these mothers and, and women of the resurrection because they were faithful servants of our Lord in a very oppressive culture in, in, in that day. But they were faithful from the beginning of their encounter, first encounter with Jesus all the way to their first encounter in his resurrection and even on after that. You know, when so many others abandoned Jesus at his arrest, we have no record of the women doing that. We just continually see him there. They, they served him in beautiful, in beautiful ways. They, they actually grew, grabbed hold of, they were captured by the reality of what God says beauty looks like. Look at this from 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, that, don't depend on things like fancy hairdos or gold jewelry or expensive clothes to make you look beautiful. Be beautiful in your heart. This kind of beauty will last and God considers it very special. Very, very special. And here's what I want to do. I want to take just a few minutes to look at how their lives displayed the beauty of their devotion to Jesus. The first is this that I see. The mothers and women of the resurrection display the beauty of their Savior. Display the beauty of their Savior. The, the scriptures point out how these women were always pointing back to Jesus through their devotion to him. In Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, we read earlier that Jesus took his disciples with him, and along with some women he had healed and from whom he had cast out evil spirits, among them Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. See, Mary, again, wasn't the only woman following Jesus, but Jesus had saved her and saved some of these others from a life of spiritual misery, of, a, of emotional misery. I believe some even from, from physical misery. There, there were others, as Luke described him. He said there were some women. It was more than just Mary Magdalene that Jesus had rescued and brought deliverance into their lives. And Jesus had saved them and had given them hope. And Jesus saw their dignity and their, their great worth and their value. And he raised that up. Out of the middle of uh, an oppressive culture, 
He saw, you know, he saw something different. Whereas most men in his day saw women as merely as property, Jesus saw them as created in the image of his father, created in the very image of God. He saw the beauty in their, in their lives and their existence. And out of that, they worshiped him. And their worship of the Savior was just unmatched. In Matthew 28, verses 8 and 9, it said, They departed quickly from the tomb after the angel gave them that message. And behold, they met Jesus, and he said greetings. And they came up, they took hold of his feet, and they worshiped him. At the first sight of the risen Lord Jesus, they worshiped him. They were all in. They they cast everything to abandon worship. They threw all caution to the wind. They just fell at Jesus' feet and they embraced him. They they just grabbed hold of his feet and they they expressed their, their love to him. One of the ways that I have grown in worship of Jesus is by observing the way women that God has put in my life and ministry worship the Lord. Worship Him in in freedom. You know, on that, that Easter morning, the women that were there at the tomb were present at, at very great risk to themselves. Re- remember this, they, they came, they came to the tomb of a convicted political prisoner to the Romans, to a convicted blasphemer of of God to to the Jews. Those those guards that they knew were posted at the entrance of that tomb, they they knew that they were taking a risk, that they could be arrested. They they knew. They, They knew how hated and how jealous the Hebrew leadership had been, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees had been, how they hated Jesus, how they would go to any length to kill him and kill the movement that he was leading. And this risk of of these women is made even more dramatic when we stop and realize that the, the remaining 11 disciples laid low. They were nowhere to be found. They were they were hiding in a locked room, paralyzed from, from grief and fear. And, and then in this, this most pivotal moment in all of human history, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, the ones that are present there are, uh, are these women. And, and they show up not because they don't have fear. We know they have fear. The angel tells them they don't have to be afraid. They, they, they have fear, but the gospel tells us that their love and their devotion to Jesus, the, the one who had delivered them from the despair, the, the, the oppression that we're in, that, that their faithful devotion to, to Jesus took them to the tomb that day. They had been faithful to Jesus every day that they knew him. They were now faithful even in his, his death, dying there on the cross, and even after that now. And their love for him sent them to minister to his dead body. Their their love persevered even even in the the midst of that. And Jim Wallace points out something that I I just found fascinating. He points out that these women, and remember there were many, uh, there were many that were a part of this, and there have been many in the church since then that he rightly called them, Wallace did, midwives of hope. 
I thought that was a great line to call these, these, women's, uh, these moms and women of the resurrection midwives of hope because they run back to the disciples and they declare the hope of a risen Savior that they have seen. Now, the Bible tells us the men don't believe it at first. The, the, the men don't believe it. But, but hope, one of the things hope does is hope grows. And at, in some span of time, don't know how long, Peter and John muster up enough hope to say, okay, we got to go see. And so they run to the tomb and, and find the tomb empty. They still don't have enough hope to believe in the fullness of his resurrection. And so they go back into to that locked room. And it wouldn't be until later that evening. We talked about that last week. Later that evening before hope would be fully realized in, in their lives. Hope would break through their locked doors, their fear and their shame. Because hope eventually stood before them later in that day. But that, that hope was real and alive in the lives of, of the women of the resurrection. And hope got released that day when love drew them to that, to that tomb. And that just makes me wonder, where, where do you need hope today? Where, where do you in your life, what, what you're facing, where, where do you need hope today? Where do you need the power of the resurrection, that hope to come into your life? Is it in your, your marriage? Is it in a, a, a friendship that's broken? Is it, is it in your finances? Is it in the life of a wayward child who's wandered from the Lord and you need hope that they'll return? Do you need hope in healing from something physical or you have a loved one and you you need hope that you you will see them heal see Jesus Jesus wants to deliver hope he want he has hope for you now not only did these mothers and women of the resurrection constantly display the beauty of their savior but they also displayed the beauty of serving him they displayed this beauty of service to the Lord. If you look back at Matthew 27, back to that scene at the cross, it tells us in verse 55, there were many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him. They were watching from a distance, and among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. It, wasn't, it just wasn't one or two. It was, it was many women that were present that day at the crucifixion. And they, they weren't just women who showed up because there was a, you know, a big thing going on in the city of Jerusalem that day. They had followed Jesus from Galilee, from up north in that country to further down south to Jerusalem. They were devoted to Jesus. They had, had followed him. And if you know anything about that journey, he didn't, Jesus didn't take the straight line path to Jerusalem. He visited other places uh, along the way, taking the good news, uh, the gospel message. But they, they came to Jerusalem with the intent of serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. They were, they were all in. And they showed up and were present at his crucifixion when so many others had, had ran, had fleed. They weren't part of that community at that moment. How are you showing up and serving the Lord with your presence? 
How, how, how are you doing that? Now, some of you might say, well, Joe, I'm here today. You know, I look around, and I know there's a lot of people in this church that, 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 that aren't here. And, and yes, l- let me say, yes, I know we're, 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 we're living again in a season where uh, the, the rate of infection and spread in our community has gone high again. And if you're sick, I understand you're not, not being present. But I also need to say this. And maybe I'm, I need to speak this here, but speak it to people online. Jesus did not intend, because we have online streaming, that you begin to think that the best way to worship him and serve him is at home watching a service in your pajamas with your coffee. And I've had people tell me they just love that. That was not Jesus' intent. That's not God's game plan for his his community. There there needs to be a a time and space for for gathering in our lives. We we need that. And so some of you are saying, well, I'm off the hook on that one because I showed up. There's another part of that. Have you showed up to serve? Have you shown up to serve the Lord? And if so, where? Where are you tangibly serving the Lord through, through his ministry? Where are you tangibly making a difference? Where are you pouring your life into some part of the ministry of the gospel through a, a, a local church? Where, where, where are you doing that? Where is that happening? Because that's part of the calling and that we would serve him. See, the, the women of the resurrection showed up in a beautifully powerful way at the foot of the cross. But that wasn't the only place they showed up. Even, even in, in his dying while they were there, the Bible tells us that the next day, Jesus had, had died. That was Friday. They had seen him put in a tomb and a, and a stone rolled over the tomb. And then that evening was the Sabbath. And so they, they took the Sabbath, they honored the Sabbath. But then Mark chapter 16 tells us that when Saturday evening came, when the Sabbath ended, most of you know that the Sabbath ends when the first star shows up in the evening sky. And one of the things that very savvy shop owners would do was they would take advantage of that last fleeting daylight to open their shops. And the women knew this. Look at this. It said, uh, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene and Salome and Mary, the mother of James, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. They did that on Saturday evening. They were preparing. They were, they were thinking, we have to anoint the body of a Lord. He is, he is dead and his body needs to be honored. Then it tells us, very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. Saturday evening... They were working to serve. They were serving the Lord even in his death. They they didn't go to the tomb expecting resurrection. Their devotion still had them serving the Lord even in in his death. They they purchased burial spices and they went there serving serving the Lord because they were so, so devoted to them. And Jesus was in turn devoted to them. Remember, Jesus had saved them. He had restored them. He had redeemed their dignity and worth. They were devoted to him, even in death. And Jesus honored that devotion in incredible ways. And here's the really cool part. Jesus had better plans for their service. Friends, this is, I will promise you this. 
if you will set out to serve the Lord, you will always find a greater blessing in your service than you ever imagined. Those women that day set out to anoint a dead body. Jesus had a better plan for their service. He turned that, that, that sacrificial service that they were going to do for his dead body into the greatest ministry opportunity ever. Because they, they left that after having seen him risen. They found the tomb. Look at Luke chapter 24, verse 8. It says, they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. There was this new way for them to serve the Lord. This brand new ministry opportunity. But it only came in that kind of mundane, if you would, that every day service of the Lord, doing, doing what was responsible, what needed to be done in that moment. They were doing that, and it was in that moment that they found the beauty of ministry being open to their eyes. And they got to serve the Lord by proclaiming to the world for the first time, Jesus is risen. We, we have hope. How are you serving the Lord right now? Where are you tangibly showing up, even though it may be a little bit just responsibility? Maybe it may not be out front. Maybe it not, may not be, you know, all of those things that you're seeing here. Where are you serving the Lord? Friends, there are a lot of ministries around here. A lot of ministry opportunities in this, in this church family to serve one another. And ministries uh, through this church, out in our community to serve. Where are you right now serving the Lord? How, how, how are you doing? How's, how's your service? Where are you showing up and serving? Do you have a place, an ongoing ministry? How are you serving? See, the mothers and women of the resurrection, they point it to their Savior. They displayed beauty in, in their Savior and through their service. And then lastly, they displayed the beauty that they had through their sacrifice. They, they sacrificed incredibly. It wasn't just this one, one and done kind of thing. Uh, they sacrificed for Jesus throughout his ministry. We saw this in Luke chapter 8 uh, earlier. Um, I'm going to ahead and read the whole thing again. It said, he took his 12 disciples with him along with them, some women whom he'd healed, from uh, whom he had cast out evil spirits. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. These women had been generously and sacrificially giving regularly ongoing of their resources to fund the work and the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of proclaiming the gospel, the good news that life with God was possible. You go back to the opening of Mark's gospel. Mark tells us in, in Mark chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, that when Jesus kind of began his public, his public ministry, Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe that good news. 
the good news that you can have life in Christ. See, these moms of the resurrection, these women of the resurrection, they were giving to support the spread of the gospel. They're, they're incredible examples to us of what it means to follow Jesus with, with full devotion. They gave of their worldly possessions for kingdom purposes. You know, some of, some of these women were, were women's of means. Some of them probably weren't. You know, many scholars believe that Mary Magdalene was probably widowed. But these women played a critical role in moving the gospel ministry forward. And quite frankly, friends, you're a beneficiary of their generosity and sacrifice of that because they, they supported that ministry. Just want to ask a question. Who is going to be, who's going to benefit from your generosity and sacrifice of giving to the work of the Lord through a local church like River Bluff? Is anybody? Are, are, you, are you sacrificing anything? Are you, are you giving anything? See, they sacrificed their, their lives, their, their, their time, their, their treasure, their talents. Is, is anyone going to benefit from the power of the gospel touching their lives because you gave? Or are you withholding? Are you withholding your service? Are you withholding uh, your sacrifice? See, the result of them coming to uh, salvation, them coming to know Jesus, was their hearts was, were changed along the way. Their, their hearts were changed so that they were willing to, to give their resources to God. Jesus had, had powerfully transformed their lives. Truthfully, money is a timeless idol. Every generation struggles with our, our stuff. I remember reading a, a devotion um, that... Dr. Tim Keller wrote uh, on this issue. He made this statement. It struck me, so I had written it down. It said, what your heart most loves and adores, what it most rests in, is where you most effortlessly, joyfully, and most addictively spend your money. Whatever it is your heart most loves and adores. And so some people put all their effort with their finances in, into savings in order to feel really safe. Well, how has that worked recently as things have plummeted? Your portfolio is not what it was, you know, months ago. Others pour their financial resources into things that they think props up their, you know, attractiveness or their sophistication. They try to get the latest styles and trends in order to get people to approve of them or admire them. Other poor pour their resources into things like their homes or their cars or club memberships so maybe they can get connected to power. You know, Jesus said where, where your heart is, there's your, your treasure, and where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Those two things can, will not be separated. So what, what, what helps you break the hold of that idol? Of, of money in our lives. Friends, what does it is sacrifice. Sacrificial generosity. We see that in the lives of these moms and women of the resurrection. 
And their sacrifice wasn't only their treasure, it was their whole lives. You know, back in John 19, we read about standing at the cross next to Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, uh, then the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. They risked everything, everything. They risked their very lives to be near Jesus while he was on the cross. They risked everything in obedience to the Lord when they, when they went and told the disciples. Luke 24 tells us that they, they rushed back to do that. They, they poured everything. They, they didn't have much left to give at that point after Jesus had, had, had died. But in that moment, they poured it back into the disciples. And the disciples didn't believe them. I, I don't know about you, but that would have hurt. Had, had I been traveling with these men, supporting their work... And, and I just saw the risen Jesus, and I've come running back to tell, to, to, to not be believed, would, would be crushing. But they sacrificed even that, their dignity once again, so that Jesus could be magnified. They, they would face ridicule and scorn of, of those that they considered at this point to be brothers in the Lord they were doing life with. They, they risked all that in this report that they brought they they knew they knew what their mental state was they they were in the same despair they had 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 seen the same thing they were hurting and grieving too so they knew what it was going to be like but their devotion to Jesus compelled them to push on and they found something beautiful on the other side see devotion to Jesus will always do that it will always win out they were proven right later in in that day devotion to Jesus always wins out and it wins out in this life and it wins out for all eternity so I just want to close with asking you three questions how is your life these days displaying the beauty of sacrifice to the Lord how how is it displaying where where are you sacrificial and generous for the sake of the gospel coming into our world, being proclaimed in our world? Where are you sacrificing your, your talent and your treasure and your time? And then, how is your life currently displaying a, a life of beauty and service to God? Where are you serving the Lord? Because remember, He's got a greater plan for your service. So just dig in somewhere. And you'll get, to see, you'll get to see his glory come through your service. And then lastly, where right now in your life are you displaying the beauty of Jesus as your Savior? Are, are others seeing that? Is your life pointing to that? Are you helping others to see that you have been set free? Maybe that you have been healed from oppression? Maybe that you have been healed from a, a spirit of emotional abuse. Where, where, where are, is your life displaying the beauty of Jesus as your Savior? Because Christ has this incredible plan of being magnified through your sacrifice, through your service, and as your Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we, we come in this moment and as we've looked at your word and we've looked at the lives 
of these moms and these women, Lord, their full devotion to you. Their devotion, God, to pour everything out. To, to, to Lord, take their earthly possessions and pour them out for your sake, to serve you, to support the work of your kingdom on this earth that we are beneficiaries of today. Lord, we, we come having seen that in them, having seen their service and their sacrifice, having seen them point to you as Savior, showing us what worship looks like. And so, Jesus, we come, and we come to this moment in our service where we say to you, Holy Spirit, call on us. Call out to us. Search our hearts and know us, Lord. And see where are those ways in us that we need to find greater devotion, where we need to pour out more of our lives to you. And, and maybe you're here today. I, I don't know everybody in the room. Maybe you're here today, and for the very first time, the reality of knowing that you need a Savior, a Savior like Jesus who would save you from your sin, Maybe right now where you're at, you just want to say, Jesus, I need you. I look at the lives of these women, these moms who, who sacrificed so much, and I realize it's because they knew they needed a Savior. And you saved them, and you called them out. Jesus, I need that. Right where you're at, you can just call on the name of Jesus. His word says that anybody who calls on his name can be saved. You've got to put your trust in him the way that those women did follow him devote yourself to him he'll give you life and remember his word that says he'll give it to you abundantly now an everlasting life in the days to come most of us have made that decision and we just we just need to go to the Lord and say Lord I'm not serving you in an ongoing way so I'm not I'm not finding joy in my service in new ways or I'm not sacrificing gener generously in any way to you, God, and I'm not finding joy in, in my stuff. It feels like a burden. And you can change that today. Or maybe, maybe it's that you're not sharing Jesus as your Savior, telling others of what he has brought you out of and brought you into and what he's taken you through, that he's given you hope. Hope of life after this life. Hope of life in this life. Jesus wants to be magnified in all of us. Will we let him? Where are you kind of in that run today? Lord Jesus, we come. I don't believe there's a person in this room who loves you truly, who doesn't want you magnified in their hearts, in their minds, in their lives and in their world. So we come, God, repenting once again, giving ourselves back to you afresh, determined again, Lord, to serve you, to sacrifice for you, to declare the beauty of you being Savior of our souls. It's in